the Saints for a touchdown. It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the 2022 season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill to taste some TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. We got our holiday edition of Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak gearing up for Christmas Eve noon in Cleveland. The Saints taking on the Browns and what everyone is anticipating to be the worst storm in the history of storms. Uh, I don't know about that, but I'm going to go with Christmas Steve in the cleave. How about that? Oh, oh, I I like that. That's funny. Yes. Christmas Steve out in the cleave. It's going to be cold. It's going to be cold. But first, we do want to talk about one one player who finally, 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 the NFL got its head out of its ass. (laughs) <laughs> Got Demario Davis in the Pro Bowl. And then after we go through that, I'm going to welcome in Daryl Reuter of 923, the fan out in Cleveland. He's also the host of It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. Great podcast. Check it out. He's going to give us a lowdown on what to expect from the Browns. That's all. That's all I have to say. What's crazy is how are you an all pro, but not a pro bowler? Three times. Three each of the last three seasons. <laughs> He's been all pro. He was a first team all pro in 2019, second team all pro in 2020 and 2021. But for some reason, he was not able to get into the Pro Bowl any of those years, any of his first 10 seasons in the NFL. How is that system not a bunch of BS? That's the thing is being all pro should be more difficult. Absolutely um, right. The issue for him last year was Micah Parsons. This is technically a linebacker, but he effectively plays defensive end. Like the reason Micah Parsons made it last year is the same reason Demario made it this year. And it's stupid because Demario made it this year, I guarantee it, because you look at the sack numbers and he has six and a half sacks. And last year, Micah Parsons made it on the strength of his sack numbers. Mm. But a linebacker is not there to get sacks. So, like, why is that the differentiating factor? Either way, it's dumb, but good for him, good for Demario. That's like, you know, MVP in anything. I mean, you look at, like, uh, baseball. Chicks dig the long ball while everybody digs interceptions. Yeah, and interceptions, sacks. He has a sack, he has an interception, and he leads the team in tackles, right? Like, apparently just doing a linebacker's job is not enough to make the Pro Bowl at linebacker. And that's what annoyed me last year with Micah Parsons. Like, if you look at Micah Parsons, like, linebacker stats, DeMario was better. But he made it because he played at multiple positions. And Anyway, it was stupid. Either way, DeMario Davis is the only Saints – I think that's part of it, too. A lot of times they try to get one player from every team. Right. And so because no one else made it from the Saints, <laughs> he was the most obvious choice. Honestly, could you really pull another pro bowler? Honestly. Yeah. Maybe Olave. Tyron. I don't know. If got safety. Yeah. I mean, he's the so I think Nick Underhill reported this that Tyron Matthew, um, Zach Wood, and uh Adam Prentice are alternates um for the Pro Bowl, which Tyron was Tyron was close. Tyron is probably the Closest other than DeMario, obviously, to making it. I can't think of, you know, maybe Pete Warner if he didn't get hurt. But once you I, I put Cam as an alternate. Cam, yeah. He, I mean, he's had a solid season, but the numbers aren't there, right? Like the numbers aren't Pro Bowl caliber. Um, he's been well, consistent. After slapping him in the face for the injury fine, they, they should let him in. Yeah, he missed a game. That didn't help. Yeah, Olave's probably close. But again, it's like 
if he was a he he's close as a rookie, right? But yeah. his numbers stacked up against like the Justin Jeffersons, obviously. Maybe maybe Ruiz, but he's hurt anyway, so it doesn't matter. What about Juwan? Yeah, Juwan Juwan could have had a had a case. Taysom could have had a case, but Taysom the problem for sure is for too, both right? of them. The problem is for Taysom is I think like it, people still are confused what he is. Which the only reason Taysom had a chance was that he's technically a tight end, and even though he doesn't play it. That could have been like, you know, kind of like how Michael Parsons made it because he basically played defensive end and he was called a linebacker. Taysom could have made it because you just look at the touchdown numbers and you're like, wow, he's nine touchdowns, you know. You um, just get the top players because Taysom Hill's obviously a top player in the NFL. And why wouldn't you want to display him on the all-star stage? I, I don't know. I think you need a position to make a Pro Bowl because. There is no tough. position to define him, though. That's not fair. Well, there's a team. But he deserves to be on the field with everyone. He's more likely to make it as a tight end than any other position. So, but, but I just don't know. he's he's not that though. Yeah, it's I mean it's, it's like weird. I guess like you would call him like a utility infielder, you know, like that sort of thing. But I don't know. Like I, I don't think that I don't think that you look at what he's done and say like, oh, he's he's being snubbed from the Pro Bowl. I think, think because of, of his multiple usage though, and those stats get spread out, it does get overlooked in total. Yeah, of what yeah. he does. Exactly. Like he, he's a tight end who has two receiving touchdowns, right? Like that hurts. Like, whereas he's a tight end with five rushing touchdowns, which, you know, he's probably going to set the record. He, he may have set the NFL record for rushing touchdowns by a tight end, right? It's right, stupid. right. Why, why haven't they released that stat from NFL stats? Because it's because it, it's dumb. Because <laughs> he has to he can make up anything. Yeah. It was like, I'll take it from a fantasy perspective. He's a fantasy sure. all star. I'm going to start him at tight end this week. And we're going to get more into that. But yeah. It's uh, either way, DeMario Davis, very deserving of the Pro Bowl. Good for him. Happy for him. That's hopefully, hopefully he gets a nice bonus out of it. Yeah, I, I want to check his contract and see if there's any es- Pro Bowl escalators. I bet there are. I bet he will get a decent bonus um, out of that. But no, like you could look at the rest of the Saints, and I think it's pretty clear that if there was that Saint this season, obviously it should be DeMario. He's been all over a contributor and obviously a leader in the tough times for this, you know, this squad that's, it's been a struggle, but you're not seeing this team backpedal any. And I think that's part of the strength of the, you know, the guys that are still in there that they haven't just totally quit kind of deal because they're real. We, we know realistically the playoff chances are slim to none. They're not, there's no none. Stop saying none. There is, you can't say slim to none when they're, they're just slim. I just see for for Tampa. I see Arizona, Carolina, Atlanta, and I'm not I'm not convinced they're going to drop two of those. Yeah, but until then, they're just slim. They're not none. I would I mean, agree with you if, for example, they had two of their last three games against like the Texans and the Colts, two teams who are literally just like we suck. And the best case scenario is we get the best draft pick possible. Right. And that's not really the case here. You know, the Cardinals, sure, maybe, but in week, I think this is still, I think this is a coach trying to keep his job. And you don't lose that game intentionally. Kingsbury or the Tampa coach? Okay. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Cliff. I think Cliff is a, Cliff is very much in a situation where he's not going to benefit from tanking because if they go, they lose their final three games and look bad doing it, he gets fired. So, like, I don't think that that's going to be a situation and, you know, you're just going to see what happens. But these final, those final two games, all you can ask is for, you, like, this 
the Bucks to have to face a team that's going to try, and that's what you're going to get. So, see, is the is Arizona front office though? Are they going to be more committed to to Cliff or to the quarterback? Well, because yeah, I don't, that's know, a, good, that's a good I don't know if those two can really coexist anymore. It's a good question, but at, at the same time, it's like I don't really care what the front office wants to do. I just want to see them put a team on the field that is like them competing. And so hopefully that's what you get. Either way, we talked so much about this. We don't need to talk about this anymore. Let's shift to the fact that you're going to be freezing freaking cold over the next 48, 72 hours. Uh, you're about to fly out this afternoon with the team. They're going out a day early because it's supposed to snow the next couple of days. How have you prepared, Steve? Uh, heading into the worst storm imaginable. Uh, it's been funny hearing you know, people talk about the snow, the wind, the cold, the wet, the, you know, everything for it. Uh, I, I woke up and I, I don't know, I had this like n- this feeling I needed to get one of those big ski mask deals. So I went to Academy Sports and got some more head coverage worrying about these, you know, 25, 35 mile an hour winds. They're saying gusts could be up to 50 miles an hour. Um, I think that's pretty crazy along with, you know, 13 degree weather, we'll say, with the wind chill of whatever. It goes down to like it feels like seven degrees or minus. I don't I don't know what they're saying in that aspect. But I'm I'm ready with thermal. I'm ready with hand warmers. I'm ready with feet warmers, uh, thermal socks, thermal underwear, thermal shirt, everything thermaled out. I am Captain Thermal heading into the game. I think the wind will be the more of a factor than just the temperature out there. I mean I think it says 30 to 50 mile per hour wind. I mean, that's pretty significant. And so we, we, it's funny because we talked to Andy yesterday and Andy was just like, yeah, it's going to be cold. It's going to be windy. You know, I've done this before. And right. he has, he spent the first nine years of his career in Cincinnati. And it was funny because we were like, when you were in Cincinnati, did you ever get questions about the cold like this? Or was it just like, yeah, it's kind of how it is. And he said, no, absolutely not. <laughs> they did not get questions about the cold. They got more questions about, oh, you're going to Miami in in September. It's going to be it's going to be hot. Uh, how, how are you going to handle this? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's kind of funny how that works. But yeah, when you're in the AFC North, cold is assumed. I think even though, first of all, the players that are in Cleveland, I don't think you get adapted to these conditions in any way where it's like it's, it's not going to be a big deal for them either. But two shout out to those fans that are actually going to be out there. I can't imagine what attendance is going to be like. Um, it's going to be interesting to see for sure. But the folks that I know are pretty wild, crazy fans in the dog pound, obviously, too. And they're going to have folk, you know, you're going to see that guy shirtless with a dog bone in his mouth. And I don't know. That seems it seems unmanageable, that kind of weather. I'm just glad they'll have the the big jet engine turbo heaters on the sideline, too. I'll be hanging by that a lot. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think you ever get used to 13 degrees, but I do think like, yeah, you 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 at least have a better, you're more acclimatized to it than obviously the Saints will be, but they're only going to be playing in it for one day. You can survive it one day. You don't need to like buy real estate, right? One thing that's, I'm interested to see what they do today. They were outside yesterday. And, you know, when I asked DA whether that was kind of intentional to kind of just get a little bit more used to the colder weather, he kind of laughed which I think is like, yeah, I mean, it's 48 degrees, which is a little colder, but it's still not cold. Uh, uh, still, but I do think that was an intentional decision where they're just, you know, they're trying to work their way into it, right? You practice outside for a couple of days, you get your hands used to being cold and how that kind of feels. And then you go there and it goes down by 40 more degrees and, and you're there. 
that practice facility, the indoor is like a mini dome. Everything's perfect conditions. There's nothing bothering you. And yeah, you, the being outside on that, the field out there gives you a way better field of what's going to f- at least attempt to be like a uh, kind of be like in Cleveland. But yeah, the, you can't simulate, you can do crowd noise. You can't simulate 13 degrees. I don't know. I kind of felt like they probably could have like cranked up the AC and got it about <laughs> colder in there than it would have like they could have turned it into a refrigerator, <laughs> which would have been kind of funny. Right. <laughs> it's like old, big old meat locker. Right. <laughs> you know what they could have done to really mess with them is they have the the cooling thing, the cooling like uh, tra- truck or uh, like what do you what do you call it? You know, like the, the container where they go in during training camp. I yeah. bet you could. I bet you could crank that thing down to basically like like a like a like an external freezer <laughs> just have everyone sitting there like Ugh. well they do have those cryo chambers right yeah <laughs> i don't know how that would help you because you kind of want to you have to be able to perform while you're cold as opposed to just sitting there and dying uh anyway but no, you know the, we the wind we, we we mentioned with the weather and everything and you heard dalton say it there too the wind's definitely the biggest factor i mean forget yeah, and- the, the, what the weather temperature is going to be yeah, and so one thing that I saw somebody mention, and it's a good point, is like, okay, so how will the wind affect it? So the wind is going to blow southwest, which, you know, whatever the mile per hour is, southwest, you know, obviously. So, okay, if that's going across the stadium, it's not going to be as big of a factor, or at least it's not going to change how you operate. Whereas in this case, the stadium is like slightly, like the field is like slightly north-northwest. So there will be one team at all times going into the wind and another team going against the wind. And we talked to, uh, you know, a guy who has some familiarity playing in the cold. He hates the cold because he's from Mississippi, but he has played in cold weather games and he's played well in cold weather games. And uh, let's do some callister. We talked to him on Sports Talk this week. Here's what he had to say about kind of what to expect in that game. This will be old school 1940s type football. I mean, it will be like, what is a forward pass? Uh, <laughs> from, 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 from a kicking game standpoint, no different and so you will have situations where it may be just conducive to go for it on fourth down just because why am I trying to punt and or kick a field goal or extra point in those elements particularly when you don't have the wind to your back now when you have the wind to your back that's where you've got to be just really really aggressive with some of your play calling uh you know you can't be sloppy tackling I know that uh there may be maybe some snow uh, as well. I know it's not probably supposed to stick, but if that's the case as well, uh, now you're talking about a wet football as well as cold. And so uh, it's going to be interesting. You know, it, it, it'll be interesting. But it, your game plan definitely changes when you have the wind to your back and when you don't have the wind to your back. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Like when you're watching this game, that's going to be a factor. Like I wouldn't be surprised if, if like, because I think when you when you flip a coin at the beginning of the game and you win, you have the option to either take the ball, like choose whether you receive or defer, or pick a side of the field. And I wouldn't be surprised in this instance, especially like for example, get to overtime. You get to decide if you like you you might defer the decision of okay, who wants the ball first, and say no, I want to defend this side of the field, right? Because that's going to be as big of a factor as anything. It's like are you playing with the wind or against the wind? And we saw that. Last year in the Buffalo New England game, where the the Patriots won the game, I think Mac Jones threw the ball like what twice, three times, and the Patriots won. They ran the ball forty times and they were able to get it done. And that might be what how this game turns out. You don't expect there to be much of a passing attack at all. Um, when you're playing into the wind, you can throw the ball. I'm sorry. When you're playing with the wind, you can throw the ball. 
So what, like what Deuce is saying, and I think it's a good point, is you have to make sure you take advantage of those possessions. Like if, for example, the Saints are playing into the wind in the first quarter and the game, and it's tied 0-0 after the first quarter, the Saints won that quarter because they have an, a, a, a very big advantage when they flip fields and suddenly they have the wind at their back, right? So as an offense, you need to make sure you take advantage of those possessions where you have the ball and the wind. And like, like, so here's another one. Like if you there's, were playing with still a chance, though, the ball gets caught up though. And they, I mean, and how, I mean, sure. I mean, that's, that's true, but like you can kick it because you're not kicking into the wind. You can throw it more consistently and more accurately. So yeah, you know, you might sail the ball a little bit, but you were at least like, if, if there's 40 mile an hour winds coming at you and you were trying to throw a ball accurately, you cannot do it. It is physically impossible. So like all you can do is throw a fastball or just hope for the best. Whereas oh, Mar, all those deep passes we have that we usually do. And they, this team actually does go deep a good bit relative to like what we saw in the past with Drew Brees. Um, but that's not going to be a game part of the game plan in this game, unless, for example, you have the wind at your back. So like those are going to be possessions where you're going to want to watch that. Where like so if you have the wind at your back and it's getting down toward the end of the first quarter and you're in the red zone, you might call timeouts because you don't want to have to switch fields, switch sides of the field on that possession. You know what I mean? Or like if if the clock is here, – here's the thing. If it's like fourth down and you're trying to kick like a 48-yard field goal and there's like 12 seconds left in the first quarter, you're going to call a timeout to kick on that side of the break. You know what I mean? Like you could see that happen. It's just it's just an interesting dynamic that you're going to want to watch because the wind is going to be a major factor in terms of who's going into it and who's playing with it. No, there's definitely like I guess you could call it sort of a chess game there with obviously field position or where yeah where you your your starting position is going to be depending on the direction. I'm just wondering though too like yeah we're I guess you'll have to wait to see what game day to see what the winds are exactly like. I mean but. Because what if they're like these, that terrible kind of swirling wind, you know, going around that will just make it you know, the ball kind of like pick up and spin like a top. You're not giving it any velocity with anything like behind you. Yeah, I think you could pretty much project which direction it's going to go when you just don't know how how um, like violent it's going to be. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is going to be a question of like, OK, you're punting can you punt <laughs> right like yeah. if you're if you're a fourth and two and you're talking about punting into the wind maybe you go for it <laughs> you know <laughs> or it's gotta be like you can do only like line drive punts yeah right and at that point it's like you're risking a big return you know so it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be interesting to watch deuce did bring up one other factor that i think is going to be very 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 um interesting uh to watch in this game it's a career high touch game so if his high has been 10 12 previously he's going to be in that number 15 to 20 i mean that, that and that's just being honest that's where he will be at uh as far as not only from a quarterback standpoint but just touches uh getting him the football letting him be able to carry it and just grind out yards sounds like a beautiful thing to me yeah, no, and I think it's a good point because, you know, we talked about this before we come we came on. It's like, I wouldn't be surprised if you end up seeing entire possessions where, you know, the wind is just makes it impossible to pass. And, you know, what's your best option, right? If you get to a point in a game when the Browns are loading up against the run, like the Browns, regardless of who you have in the game, whether you have Andy Dalton or Taysom Hill, they are just loading up because they know you're going to run it because they know you can't pass. 
wouldn't it just make more sense to have Taysom Hill in the game anyway and just run that ground and pound offense? So I wouldn't be surprised. Like this season, pretty much you have seen one-off snaps. Maybe in, in some instances you've seen maybe two in a row where Taysom Hill will get the ball. Like if he gets a first down, sometimes they'll leave him in and let him and let him run that first down. Um, in this case, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe you end up with three, four, five run, like, like runs of like three or four or five or snaps in a row where he just keeps going if it's working. Because taking him off the field and being like, okay, Andy, we're going to put you out there. They know you're going to hand the ball off. I don't know if that's going to benefit you. And at least if you have Taysom in there, you can get creative with how you operate. And you might be able to catch him off guard with, you know, Taysom. You know, if we want to say like he has no touch on the ball, well, there's going to be no touch on these balls in 30 mile an hour wind. You're All you can do is throw a fastball and hope for the best. And I think if you had to give Taysom Hill in terms of a passer – one accolade it's that he's got a fastball he doesn't have a changeup. he doesn't have a curveball but he's got a fastball and so that might actually work out to your advantage in this game can we get shahid a reverse or something going in this game yeah right i think you're gonna have to get creative on the ground you know and so yeah i mean however you can incorporate it because i don't know if you're gonna be able to throw deep balls because i just don't know if you can trust where the ball is gonna go um i mean so. the good thing is i mean you got you got guys that have been good with yards after the catch, at least. Yeah. Maybe Alvin Kamara, you know, he likes these Christmas games. Will he have the the magical cleats on this game? You're going to need Alvin in this game, right? You're going to need Alvin. It looks like the Browns are going to have Nick Chubb. So, yeah, you're going to need Alvin. You're going to need a run game. You're going to need to be able to create. And you also want to wanna be the team playing from ahead in this game. You do not want to be the team that's behind oh, and sure. forced to have to pass in those conditions, right? And so whoever can get on the board first, However, it is because, again, who knows if you're going to be able to kick, you know, like if whoever can get on the board first and get themselves out to a lead in this game, it's going to have a huge advantage because every because from that point on, you're going to be playing downhill and the OT is going to be playing uphill. And you don't want to be doing that, especially if there's snow. That's a, that's a recipe for a snowball. I feel like I hear like the Superman music in the background with Taysom Hill ready to rip open the, you know, the S on his chest. No, that's my dog barking. He's mad. <laughs> he wants to go outside. This is usually his walk time, but I'm here talking to you. But I mean, li- listen, uh, we, we, I think we think that obviously you're going to need to dominate in the trenches because the ground game is going to be so key uh, because of the, the wild wind that can go from 25 to 40. We're hearing I, I'm, in- I'm interested to see what exactly it is on game day. Um, but either way, that uh, it's going to be a factor getting the ball out to guys, uh, not going to be something easy. I think. You have at least that that short attack, a guy like Jawan Johnson who shined this year and be able to do things with the ball afterwards. And just, yeah, man, I would love to see a heavy dose of Taysom just because of that question that he still brings and the excitement, obviously, that when he's in the game uh, running things as well because you don't know what's coming. But you do. It's weird. You do know what's coming, but you just don't know what he's going to do. I'm sorry if you hear my dog barking. So for perspective, he is standing at the bottom of the stairs. He hasn't come upstairs to yell at me through the door. He knows I'm talking about him now. He's standing at the bottom of the stairs and barking up the stairs saying, you have one job. (laughs) You have one job and you're not doing it. And that is to take me outside when I, when I tell you, and this is how he tells me anyway. So, who I let think the dog we wrap it up because I don't. He's not going to stop. He's going to do this until I come down there. <laughs> he's adamant. Take me out now. 
So let's wrap this up. So full disclosure, we were recording this in the morning. Steve has to get on a plane and fly out to Cleveland with the team. I am going to finish up this episode once we get the injury report. So once this segment stops, there will be a gap. And I'll come back and I'll finish it. And then after that, <laughs> God, Zuma, shut up. He's so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> after that, we will have a breakdown on what to expect from the Browns with Daryl Reuter. You can find him on Twitter at Reuter, R-U-I-T-E-R, wrong, <laughs> F-A-N. He is the host for 923 The Fan in Cleveland. He also hosts Game Day, C-L-E, the podcast on the Browns. Steve set that up. I appreciate it. And then he's clearing out. He's going to make me do all the work while he's while he's hanging out in the Cleve. Yeah, I can't wait to say how I'm going to spend my Friday in Cleveland. Is it really? I don't, I don't know. Bundled up. I don't know how close we're going to be to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm hoping to see that at least. Although yeah. one of the, the guys we're traveling with mentioned that the OG, the original um, Christmas Story house is in Cleveland. Nice. Yeah, so take a picture of that. There you go. Shoot my eye out. All right. <laughs> Fudge. Okay. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us on this segment of Inside Black and Gold. I'm going to cut Steve loose, and I'll come back with the latest on the injury report. We'll be getting – we should be getting game day designations today. Usually that would be Friday, but they play on Saturday, so everything's a day early. And then, as I mentioned, we'll have Daryl Reuter to break down what to expect from the Browns. Stick around on Inside Black and Gold and uh, send send your send your prayers for Steve so that he doesn't that he returns with all of his fingers and toes from this. I'm uh, just hoping we don't get stuck in Cleveland. Yes, no one wants that. Christmas Steve in the Cleve is one thing. Christmas Day in the Cleve Ooh. is a nightmare. All right, sounds like a hangover too. <laughs> <laughs>